Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. All right, Tom, this this is a show that's been requested by many, many of your Facebook following fans. Everybody wants wanted this show. They want to see this episode. They want to hear the story of your buddy, former teammate, oh, Larry Mellick. The great Larry Mellick, you want me to call him. You just said to me, right before we go to the show, he says, you have to call me the great Larry Mellick. Well, he's lying. He's lying through his teeth. Well, you guys must be really desperate for somebody when you're, when you're calling me up or he, played, he won two Stanley Cups with the Northern Wait, why is he calling you Herb? We don't. Uh, let's tell our well, fans about that. Her, 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 Herb Melnick from uh, Two and a Half Men. Okay. So Herb Melnick was, uh, uh, who was it? What's, what's the brother on Two and a Half Men? John Cryer. John Cryer. So his ex-wife's husband was Herb, Herb Melnick. Oh, there you go. So now we changed to Herb. Herb. Yeah, to Herb. And Herb. he's a tall Canadian. Right. Who was the who was the Letterman guy? Uh, that was oh, Melman. Bud Melman, right? Melman. Right, and Eugene Melnick, he passed away though, right? So Mel is Ukrainian too, by the way. Yeah, that matters. Ukrainian, German, Scottish. Right. So let's get into it, Tom. Let's tell a story of your, your buddy here, Larry Melnick. Uh, well, so we did a show on Thursdays with uh, Larry Melnick, James Patrick, Ron Gresham, and myself. And everybody on the show has been divorced. Two of us have been divorced twice. Larry Melnick's the grouchiest bastard in the world, and he's still married. So he starts giving marriage advice, and he claims that he makes his wife get up on the roof and fix a satellite dish uh, in a separate room. What satellite dish? What year is this? But this is the way he talks about his wife. His wife is this wonderful person, beautiful inside and out, Rochelle Melnick. And uh, she actually, she really loves you, too. It's a scary thing. How you doing, Mel? I'm good. Tom, you? I'm next. On that intro. Now that, yeah. Now that we're back to being friends again, because you, you ditched me on, uh, you wouldn't email me, you wouldn't call me, and that, then, well, you call me, but you need me for something, so there you go. No, let's get it straight. You, you go for a straight there where you only communicate using emails. Now you only communicate using WhatsApp. Felt like I was a 15-year-old girl getting on that WhatsApp there. But Yeah, I'm, like I've explained to you, um, our Canadian, I don't know what your phone bill is a month, but if I phone you in New York, which I want to do because I want to talk to you, right? it's $9 every day. $9 for one phone call. One phone call. Huh. Or I go, am I not worth it? No. That's what. That's why I called you because the email and the, the texting wasn't working. 
So the WhatsApp, though, but WhatsApp, we can make calls on WhatsApp. That's right? right. Or Messenger. Like I've been doing, like DeVito, Danny DeVito and I are good friends. Now we're back and forth and Conor Tidiak. Oh, these are all guys now. These are all guys that follow us on that old yeah. Thursday show you said. They were your friends. Yeah. Well, now, yeah, you stole them away. Yeah. Mel, so yeah. hold on, Mel. The marriage, what? The marriage thing is, it's, hey, believe me, Tom, you know it's not easy, right? <laughs> and some divorce. Yeah. Twice. So, uh-huh. Because of my snoring and, you know, the fact that we broke, and you didn't break your nose. You didn't, was it 10? It wasn't 10 broken noses. No. You had one. One nose, he broke ten. Broke ten. Good point. What's your point about you? Yeah. So ten broken. You know. You know. And broken. Yeah. You know what I. So then. Bro- yeah. So then you go on Amazon because because uh, Dave Maloney's wife Pamela. Yeah. You know I had to support her, so I go on Amazon and buy this snore guard. So and it pushes your lower jaw so far that it wrecks your jaw. Period. So your jaw hurts all day, but you don't snore, and Rochelle's happy. So. I'm in pain, or is Rochelle happy? What's more important to have her happy? Not more important. important. Happy so, wife, happy life. So about 15 years ago or whatever, she has her own room. She's made it all up. I got the king room. We we share a closet because we, you know, have lots of clothes. And um, yeah. And then so, so we go on trips, but it, it it's worked. So Right. And you guys have hallway sex too, don't you? Uh, no. Really? That, that's Gresham. Yeah, you walk by each other and say, F you, F you. Uh, hallway sex. Tom, you, you slept in separate beds from your wives, right? In separate houses too, right? Yeah, separate states. Yeah. Exactly. Separate bank accounts now too. Those are bigger than mine. Well, uh, okay. Where, where, where were we born, Mel? Uh, the do not know. Let's, sorry, let's get back to that money thing. That was a big fight. Because I was, when we started going out, she said, you got to have, we have to have a joint bank account. I said, what the hell for? I'll give you money when you need money. No, got to have a joint bank account. So my money is her money. Our money is her money. Her money is her money. I can't, I've never taken a cent out of her bank account. So you've got her own separate bank account and then yeah, you have joint accounts. I, I think her, I think her own bank account is joint, but I, I don't even know how to go in and, and get it. See, that was a sign for me that my my first ex-wife, when her father passed away, she left her a sizable estate. And when she came home and put it in her own bank account, not our joint account, I had a good, pretty good hint that uh, our marriage was just about over. So well, that's a good wow. right there. Like Rochelle, we, we, she, um, she's a good spender. Like she'll buy, you know, like you, you buy some expensive stuff, but you know, we have friends that buy two and $3,000 purses and Rochelle will go find that two or $3,000 purse for four or 500 bucks. Oh, okay. She's good. I thought you being that success. Type of thing. Huh? Which makes total sense to me. Like yeah, totally. we grew yeah, up, yeah. so we, I, I grew up in Saskatoon. I was born in Saskatoon. We didn't have a lot, but we had enough, you know? Yeah. Um, thousand square foot house, slept in a bunk bed with my brother, you know, tormented the shit out of each other, like normal brothers. Sure. And, uh, yeah, that's how everything started. But here's the thing that Tommy, you you talked to me over and under the couch and I'm still pissed off about a few things that we'll go through it. Okay. Number one, I was born in Saskatoon, right. not as stated by the NHL or OPG or What's what are the other stupid hockey cards that, yeah. that got? I, I wasn't born in Winnipeg and I wasn't born in New Westminster, so that's all wrong. I never had an OPG or any hockey card for Christ's sakes until New York. That's right. six years into my career. Right. So not only did they forget me, the Edmonton Oilers in that book forgot me. Okay, so let's back up on this now. Yeah. 
So Larry was in Edmonton when they won two Stanley Cups. Yeah. And some wonderful woman did a book uh, on the history of the Edmonton Oilers, all the players in it. And there's only one player that was not listed in the book that played for the Edmonton Oilers. Two Stanley Cup rings, and I wasn't mentioned in the book. Really? Okay. So across 1986, when right. we took Montreal to the, sem- the, the semifinals, right. yeah. lost to those French, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, you know where I stand on that. Yeah. Steve Smith. Who shot the puck uh, in his own net. Not Steve Smith, my neighbor. Right. Shot the puck in. That, he took my job. He's mentioned in the book, of course. Because well, he, he went on a net. Yeah. Well, he went on and won a couple of rings. The next year they won again. So he, he got a couple of rings. And, but I, he was, uh, he turned out to be a really good defenseman. But hey, he made one mistake. And I'm in New York. And uh, I think Colleen Elliott or somebody asked me, well, what would you have done? I said, well, I would have done what I always do. You would have shot it around the boards. Right. Right. Wouldn't have shot it. Anyways. So that was that. So yeah, I was, I've been. But but you did live in Winnipeg, though. Yes. Yes. Which were boards. And that's another one of my favorites. We'll get to that. We'll get to that one. That one old woman that called you, told you what your career was going to be. Yeah. Exactly. So how old were you when you went to Winnipeg? Um, So Saskatoon, my dad worked for the, there's two railways, Canadian National. See, this is what Larry Dulles said. So you ask Larry a question, and then he'll tell you something else. Like, there's no... no. Well, no. What? I thought, don't I have, like, two hours? You, you know what? You can go as long as you want, because yeah. so, your soliloquies are... My soliloquy. Yeah. You want me to talk, let me talk. talk. Okay, I will. Okay, I just wanted to straighten out with all our listeners that this is what happens when they communicate with you. If you ask them a yeah. question, you get another answer. I Or so, at some point, you get to the answer. Then I've written some stuff down, like I did for the Thursday show. So, Tom, <laughs> when I was a kid... I was an introvert. I never said a thing to freaking anybody. Right. Like I, I was an introvert for, for me to even do this show. Like I had to go up when I was a kid in front of the whole school. Cause we had some stupid, um, show and tell in the front of the whole school. Right. And that was one of the only mornings in my childhood where I didn't have my fried bologna and mustard sandwich. <laughs> you ever fried a bologna? Oh yeah. Fried... Really? That's oh. what, that's how we grew up. What kind of bread? Like white bread? White bread. Of course. Okay. Sorry. And yellow mustard, you know, yeah, yeah, yep. So for me to do this stuff now, I've come a long way. Yes, like you now, have. Now I don't give a shit at six. I'll be 63 on Tuesday. Right. I'll so, have a birthday. Yeah. So anybody send me, I'll send you my address, send me gifts. And uh, shit, I forgot what I was going to say now, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also part of the pattern. Okay. How old were you when you moved to Winnipeg? So my dad worked for the railway. He, he, he got transferred. As a result of the railway at 12. So he was 12 or you were 12? Tommy, come on. What? <laughs> he got transferred at 12. He, he, we got transferred. The family got transferred. My dad got transferred. You were 12 years old he, then. That was, I was child labor. All right. I don't know. Yeah. I was so, 12 years old. 12 years old. So you'd already started playing hockey at that point. I think I started. Well, every um, school back then, Saskatoon, Winnipeg in Canada, had a rink. Every school had a rink outside. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So... I was out. I took my my skates and my stick most days to school. In between, like for uh, what do you call recess and lunch, we'd we'd skate. And after after school, we'd go skate. And so right. that's what that's how we grew up. And then baseball, football, badminton. Right. You name here. You badminton. Was badminton an organized sport back then? No, high school. It was just high school. Okay. I, I don't want to brag, Tom, but I was pretty freaking good. Wait, wait, were you actually on a badminton team? No. Okay. Just you, I was a singles champion in badminton. I was shot put champion in school. I was track, you know, you name it. You're good at football too, weren't you? Oh, really good. Yeah. I was 
pretty good football. My, um, again, not to brag, Tom, but um, my, what was it, phys ed teacher said I probably could have played in the CFL. Oh, okay. Good. If everybody doesn't know, it's a Canadian Football League. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pass. What is the pass? No, run, pass, and kick. Right, because three down, three down. Everybody, that's, that's the league where everybody's the Rough Riders, right? Every team. Yeah. That's right. So like six teams and two of them are Rough Riders. Way to go, Canada. Exactly. We're not very creative up there. We're pretty smart up here. Good. Okay. So you moved to Winnipeg. You're already playing hockey. Now, are you always a defenseman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in Winnipeg, um, there was a guy by the name of Haas Nicholson who was the newest Minister Bruin scout. So Ernie McLean and uh, uh, Bill Shinsky, they ran the newest Minister Bruins, which at the time had Barry Beck, Brad Maxwell, uh, Miles Zaharko, uh, Stan Real, Johnny O'Grodnick. Miles Zaharko was on that team? Yeah, Miles Zaharko. Well, really? Yeah, yeah. so Miles Zaharko. Who's Miles Zaharko? Defenseman. But oh. the, hey, well, the point of the matter is those four, those teams went to four straight Memorial Cups, which has never been done, and probably the toughest Harold Philippoff, probably the toughest teams ever. Right. Like they, at the time, they probably could have beat quite a few of the NHL teams. Mm-hmm. So that's so who doesn't know this is a Western Junior Hockey League, the major junior yeah. hockey league up in Canada. Okay. Yeah, which Ron Greshner was on and Bobby Hess, and so Greshner and I have talked about that, and you know walking two miles to the arena just before the game instead of driving on the bus. And yeah. our coach was a little crazy, but right. we made it. So, okay. So you kind of jumped ahead a little bit there. So you moved to Winnipeg, you're playing hockey, then you get drafted by the, what is it again? What's team? New Westminster Bruins. That's right. No, you, get, no. you get drafted by them. Is that how it was back then? Or no? no, back then there was a, there was a 90 player list. Oh, okay. And I don't know if, how like it, first one come first serve. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So they put, they put me on the list and, uh, Back then, we only had telephones, so I guess they phoned and or sent a letter or something and said, you're on the list. Would you like to come to camp, uh, Westlock, Alberta? I said, uh, well, I guess so. And then Punch, there was a few of us from Winnipeg that uh, that went. Jimmy Dobson, who played in Minnesota for a bit, him and I got on the bus. There was two of us to start, and by the time we got to Westlock, the bus was full. And wow. It was our first training camp. We stayed in the barracks with, um, what do they call it, um, Army barracks, actually. Army barracks. Yeah. Well, okay, but you fought through a lot of stuff that other people couldn't possibly fight through in your past to get to that point. Like, you were, tell us about this, you're in Winnipeg, and you tell everybody you're going to play in the National Hockey League, and you had some very intelligent young woman made a comment to you that kind of was... Controversy, it, adversity, you, you just have to fight through it, Tommy. Right. Uh, so what did she it, say? Exactly. And I, again, I don't want to brag, but I was pretty good. I was like, you know, we're all really good athletes growing up, Right. And then once you get to NHL, you realize, holy shit, we're not that good. Right. right? So I, for for being pretty quiet and, you know, not saying much, I was, extre- if I did say anything, I was extremely conceited. I said to everybody, I don't give a shit what you say. I'm going to the NHL. Just watch. And she said? Well, the girls, I guess, and I didn't realize this till 20 some years later on Facebook, she hooks up, um, with me, like not hooks up, but we, we get in touch again. We get in touch again. Yeah. She sat in front of me and I guess I bugged the shit out of her for like two years. Oh, I didn't know this part. I didn't know this. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I just found this out the other day. Oh. So I guess she sat in front of me and, you know, you, typical shit. You pull her hair and you, you, this, you throw spitballs and shit. <laughs> so anyways, she's, she's the editor of the school book, your book. Right. right. And 
I said to everybody, like I said, I'm going to the NHL and that's all, that's all I wanted to talk about. Right. And in the yearbook, she says the first year, she says the chances of Larry going to the NHL are slim and none. He's got a better chance of being a Zamboni driver. <laughs> so that was the first year. This is Winnipeg. And then Winnipeg's also known for something. So she, the next year she says, yeah, Larry's got a chance of going to the NHL league. He's got a chance at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Oh, I didn't know this part at all. That was the second year. I just, oh. so oh. She, she ripped me two years in a row. But as much as I bugged her, she became a doctor. So we, so you, we, you probably helped her. I helped her. Yeah. Right. Made her concentrate on her studies. So the, during this, you're going to get a, a theme of Larry's life, a constant you know, downgrading him, him fighting through it. It's like, like a yeah. story of pure motivation is what it is, really. Kind of like this interview. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you asked me if I played defense. So I get drafted by, uh, am I jumping, Jimmy? Or jump wherever you want. It's your oh. show. This is the Larry Melnick show. Yeah. So, Herb. I, yeah, so I I go to, like, I am I get drafted. I got drafted before you, which was good. 78th overall. I think you were 90th or something. 96th. Yeah, 96th. So, same draft, too. Same draft. Really? Yeah. So I was much better than you were. And <laughs> so I get drafted by Boston. I make it my first year. Then they send me down to, to Springfield, Massachusetts, about an hour and a bit. And uh, Wilson, Ronnie Wilson's uncle, Johnny Wilson, is the coach. Oh, okay. Well, in his infinite wisdom... I'm playing the shits because I'm pissed off. You know, I'm in the American League fighting these freaking monkeys. Yeah. Tough, tough guy, Val James. And oh my, oh my God. Anyways, I made it through that. But Johnny Wilson, I'm playing so bad. He puts me on left wing. So I think I played left wing for four or five games. And I, I was just lost. Oh, yeah. Like, lost. So anybody that doesn't know, when you play defense, you played it all your life. To now go up and play forward, it's a whole different game. Yeah. So to yeah. your credit, again, another thing you're going to fight through. So this is yeah. the theme here. So, so fought through that, and then... Uh, nice watch, by the way. Yeah, Tissot. Um, thank you. Tissot, um, just to throw it out there. Oh, and I'm wearing the Paco Rabanne uh, cologne, uh, Million, called Million, and I got the black skinny jeans from Armadi on. Oh, okay. This is what Larry does. He wears black skinny jeans. What year is this? <laughs> and he's got the high boots that he wears with those black Paco Rabanne? Oh, no. Paco Rabanne is a cologne. Sorry. Yeah, two toms. If you if you put your minds together, you two toms will figure it out. Two toms, no cup. Two toms, no cup. Yeah. So you go to the Miners, You're playing. They're playing forward. Johnny Wilson. Yeah, playing forward for a few games, and then uh, I think uh, Sinden, Harry Sinden, he's he's a real smart man too. Um, he was a general manager of the Boston Brewers at the time. Yeah. Don't know. He calls me up here and there intermittently during the season. I drive to Boston. I don't get a shift. Back then, if you didn't get a shift, you didn't get a game. You had to go on the ice to get a game, right? right? So I missed a few games here and there. I probably would have played 900 games instead of 400 because right. um, I was in the stands a lot of the time as well. Um, so finally, um, I don't know if I've told this story, but I think I have to. Okay. Um, Jeff Cornell, we're in, I'm in Hershey now. Hershey's 7,000 people. It's where they make the Hershey chocolate bars. Yes. Makes sense. Every morning, yeah. You, well, some people again, you don't put it together. But um, so I'm I'm in Hershey and uh, I'm sitting beside Brad Palmer, who got drafted by uh, Minnesota first. Didn't wear, didn't wear a helmet either. He was a, he had a big like Barry Beck hair. Uh, yeah, fuzzy hair. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cornell's is there. So anyway, I'm, I'm on I'm on the bus and uh, we're coming back from Adirondack. We're going through the mountains and. Uh, 
It'll be, yeah, be the Adirondack. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to go through the mountains. Right. So, but after the game, we go to across the pizza joint, order pizza, get some beers. The bus driver's sitting having a couple of beers with us because that's what they did back then. Um, so we get a we get on the road, winding road, palmy Brad Palmer's queasy stomach. He says, "Mel, tell the bus driver to slow down." And it's dark. We don't have the lights on. Bus driver's drunk. Bus yeah, that's rough. Instead of and we're I'm getting drunk too because I know I so. I tell the bus driver to slow down. He doesn't. I do it again. He doesn't. So I take an empty beer can and I chuck it at him. <laughs> so that's probably a no-no. Yeah, you should do that. When the driver's drunk like that, yeah. yeah. So, and then I, I throw another one. And then Gary Innes is the coach. He says, you do that one more time, you're out of here. Well, I can't go anywhere. I'm on a bus. We're about two hours out of Hershey. And you're in the mountains. And been in the mountains. So I chuck, I chuck one at the coach, Gary Innes. Oh, so I chuck... Three, this is a treat. Jeff Gordon, they'll, they'll substantiate this. They, they were empty cans, right? They were in. Well, okay. not dumb, Tom. Well, come on. Yeah. PBRs, PBRs are old Milwaukee's or Miller Lights, bro. Larry actually does drink PBRs, too. Yeah, looking at planet. He still drinks PBRs. Go ahead. So the next morning, I get called into the manager's office and he says, Larry, we're going to have to suspend you for conduct unbecoming. And I said, Well, I really don't give a shit. Tell Harry Sinden to get me the hell out of here. Which I thought that's the second I also told him I went into his office one time and told, get me out of here because you're bringing me up. I played more playoff games than I played regular season games. Right. So three days later, I get traded to Edmonton. There you go. Sather and Sinden, I guess, were fishing buddies, did a lot of trades together. And I got traded. The only reason I got traded was because I had playoff experience. I'm 23, 24 years old. Right. The whole nucleus of that Oiler team were 24, 25 years old. And they needed a seventh or eighth defenseman. And that's how I got to play. First Stanley Cup, Charlie Huddy gets hurt. There's seven or eight black aces, the extra guys that skated, get their bags skated off after practice without the, the regular players. Right. And uh, got on to two Stanley Cup teams. That's, but, there, but there's no record of that that you played there. There's no record that I played there, except for the two rigs. <laughs> and uh, what do you do? Do you do anything to kind of celebrate the two rings, or the two cups that you won? currently well i've got pictures all over the house you know magic right. bedroom you think anybody else knows like when you drive down the road for instance you think anybody else knows that you want a couple of stanley cups so steve smith not the steve smith that shot the puck in his own net in 86 right steve smith my neighbor works for signorama and he does all these signs and everything for me so it was his idea he wanted to put a stanley big stanley cup on the side of my car right on the doors right, right. i said well, steve why don't we start slow or small and so we put them Right beside the, um, well, the rear on the rear bumper, right beside one on the side of the license. Yeah, beautiful. So, and with the years on, and people, it, it's pretty small, so people are probably looking eighty four, eighty five. What? Who the hell is this guy? Right. So, do they just say like, why is this guy driving down the road with two Stanley Cups? Like, isn't that kind of vain? Yeah. Or, but I can I can honestly tell you, Tom, when I go to a grocery, like I was in Stick at the Airbus, where where Ronnie Flockhart is, and people will stop me and say, "Oh, did you play hockey?" I said, "Yeah," because yeah, so it's it's a conversation piece. Uh, do you tell do you tell them who you are, or do you keep that? Well, eventually you do because I got the ring on, and if they have little kids, I get a you know they'll I give the ring to the kids and have them take a picture and so. And you didn't you break your rings or something? Or they, didn't you I cracked them? I cracked them both. Yeah, I just yeah got a little mad. They broke. Was that after a few PBRs? Yeah, you could say that. Well, I slam my hand down if I get mad or you know. I, I didn't punch anybody, if that's what you mean. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I'm a, 
I'm a gentle, I don't Israel. Yeah. So how many years were you in Edmonton then? Uh, one and a half, just enough for two rings. Two rings, oh, that's good. Nice. So got you, you got in, yes. Got traded at the deadline for the first one. Right. And then played through, and the year that, so 86, when I got traded to New York, and that's when you be, you and I became partners, eventually. Good friends, best friends. Yeah, best friends. Um, I had two goals, three assists. I had five points in seven games. I was a plus eight, and they sent me to uh, New York. Because the Rangers wanted you so bad. That's why, because you're playing so well. No, sorry. Let me, I, I, that's, I spoke wrong. They sent me down. Then Steve Smith took my job. Then Anders Hedberg was scouting in the American League and saw me. Oh, and that, I mean, that's, that's how that worked. And you get traded from Mike Rogers, right? That's right. And Rogers sure. had been in Edmonton before. I, I, looked up his, I looked up his stats. He had like 90 points. Oh, he was a good player. Yeah, really. Yeah. He was on the line at Hartford. Stash, dash, and bash. Yeah, well. He was, Stash was Blaine Stoughton. Bash was Pat Boutet. And uh, Mike was Stash, dash, and bash. Well, wow. Good memory. So it's what I do. It's what I do. Not really. All about memories. Well, listen, you yeah. know, we've, we've turned out pretty good, Tom. Like for you, a farmer from Franken, Michigan, <laughs> you know. You you were a pretty smart guy. Like seriously, like Thank you, you became you became a. Um, and I wrote this down because I I take notes. You prepared? I was I yeah I take notes. Did your homework? In, okay. In green in home I did my homework, but you became a an agent, which is almost a lawyer, which makes you almost pretty smart, <laughs> right? And the only other the only other lawyer that I know was George McPhee. George McPhee, that's right. Yes, yeah. lawyer. So well, Stu Grimson's a lawyer as well. Oh, I thought he was a priest. No, I don't think so at all. But almost a lawyer is kind of far from six years of law school. Well, that's kind of overrated, law school. Well, Tommy didn't finish. He only finished three years. No, I went to four years at Northern Michigan. Well, that that last, last year I was taking bowling, phys ed. And then one oh, year of truck driver's school. Just uh, three weeks of truck driver's school. That was classic right there. Well, wow. that's, that's something that most people can't say that they've ever done. Have you gone to truck driver's school? I have not, actually, no. Yeah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Mel, uh, okay, so you get to New York. How how often, often how long did you play? Oh, you played a lot. Two and a half years with you, Tom. That's right. My pleasure. And I got traded right before you got traded, correct? Yeah. So you so, guys were actual partners, though? Yes, we were partners. Yes. So yes. that was the offensive transfer yeah. player, right? 
Uh, there was one time we both went to hit the same guy in front of the net. <laughs> it's one of those things where you hit the guy, you both fall down. And our egos just kicked in there. We were not too happy about that. I remember I had a video of that, too. That was classic. We both got up like, was everybody watching that? Was everybody watching? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was watching game film like I, I really did because I watch hockey all the time. You love hockey, yeah. I love hockey. I was watching game film, and the first game that I played uh, was against the Islanders, and Willie Huber and I were defense partners. So, okay. Uh, because I was left-handed shot, but I, I enjoyed playing the right side better. Yeah, same uh, here. Yeah, so, but when you and I... When you and I played, I was left. Uh, you were like, um, I was right side. You were left side, and yeah. um, we killed penalties. And uh, yeah. yeah, and so one of the greatest all-time fights that any New York Ranger has had: Larry Melnick against Dave Brown of the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, this time, Dave Brown was pretty much the heavyweight champ of the, the league, right? Is that fair to say? Him Mel- along with, well, Tom's funny you brought that up. <laughs> I just someone just sent me an article that came out of Philly. And it was like three paragraphs saying, oh, this about Brown and this, but like with all the other guys, Domi, Probert, Kosher, you know, um, whoever list three paragraphs of it. And at the end of the stupid little Philadelphia rant, right. All those black and orange clowns. Yeah. Um, it says the only person or only guy who happened to be a ranger that did half-assed well against Brown was of all people. Larry Melnick. Is that the way they said it? Um, yeah, of, of all people. people. So, and again, another jab, another, another jab. shot. See, there it is. There's the theme, right? You're always yeah. getting put down, but you're always fighting back. Yeah. It's an incredible story. It's a story. It should be a movie. Your life story it should be a movie. I know. Yeah. And for me to still be sane is, I, I don't, well, I don't. That's almost sane. So, Larry, Larry, was that was that in the wake of when Brown almost decapitated Thomas Sandstrom? It was after that. Yeah. 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 So, that, so Brown was hated. Oh, Brown was hated by everybody, yeah. And uh, so what happened was they were in front of the Ranger net, and Brown did something to Larry, and then Larry chased him up the center ice. And then Brown turned around, and we're all like, oh, Larry, geez, you're in trouble there. But you know, Larry smoked him. Both. So Dave Brown throws left. So usually guys in the NHL are pretty much all right-handed punchers. But Mel, you can throw both hands, right? Yeah. And you knew that Brown, you obviously knew Brown was lefty. And, uh, Mel smoked him. Oh, it was Beautiful watch. If anyone wants a good video, go to YouTube and watch Larry Melnick fighting Dave Brown. Oh, it's a good one. I remember watching it on the bench, or I guess I was on the ice with you probably. Hope, because I'm thinking, oh, Mal, what are you doing there? But did you, Larry, did you know that was coming? Because we've, we've had guys on who had the fight Dave Brown, and they were like telling us they were sick the night before. They, they don't want to play. They want to get scratched. How did you feel before that? No, that that wasn't, I wasn't the heavyweight yeah. like those guys. I was a, what, you, what light Middle but, you fought, but you fought everybody. But I fought, yeah, because I, I have an attitude problem. But um, <laughs> no, I I knew like I knew some guys, like the Sutters. I knew I, I fought Richie and Dwayne, and um, there are certain guys that I would try and target if I was pissed off. Right. But there's no way I'm going to go after a Brown or a Probert or any on purpose. Right. Like you, you kind of had to do that one, right? You're stuck in there, yeah. Well, that one, like, again, he embarrassed me. He cross-checked me in front of the net, got me on my ass into Beezer. Right. And I chased him up the ice. And I, so, and, and I know what those guys are talking about. Cause if he, I, I've seen other fight videos of him and if he gets that left hand going, yeah. you're, you're not stopped at all. Well, but he still had it going, but you just had it going more. That's. Well, he got in a few yeah. at, at the beginning and knocked my head back. You can see it. And then, uh, Johnny Davidson saying, I'm not sure what this guy's doing, Melnick. Like, but give him credit. Yeah. I said I, I'm crapping my pants, and uh, 
but it, yeah, so it, in the end, I, I was able to grab his left hand. And, and then, but I, because I was small, so small, I was only like 195 pounds, six feet. Um, I, I learned to throw with both hands because I surprised, I surprised him. So that was good. I got you get some, it doesn't matter if you get beat up, you yeah. know, it, it hurts if you break your jaw, which is, does, doesn't really happen all that often. And I really never got hurt in fights. Um, but Lee, you got to show up you, you, back then. You, you didn't show up. That's the only way I was going to play. Well, you're, you're, I don't think you give yourself enough credit as far as being a player too. You're a good hockey player, a really good defenseman. But yeah, you were tough. So did you like fighting? Like most of the fighters you talked to didn't really like the fighting, but they did it because they had to. I didn't mind. Right. Like serious. I, I, like it was, to me, it was a challenge. It's just like, you know, growing up in Saskatoon and Winnipeg, you're, anything I did, pool, racquetball, you name it, we were all competitive. We, we wanted to win. So I didn't want anybody to show me up. Right. You know, that's, and I didn't, like, I, I remember fighting a kid in school, like at recess every day. His kid's name was Chris St. Germain. So I was fighting like when I was seven, eight, nine. You fought the same kid every day? Yeah. He was a little, and he lived down the street from me. We used to fight fight all the time. What, you just guys didn't like each other? I don't remember that part. I, I, I know it's because you, you just won't back down. That's the thing. You're not going to yeah. back down. Well, you, and you can't. And that's the way. And I remember other guys, older guys in school, because I was saying I'm going to the NHL, they wanted to fight me too. I, I don't know why. I guess I ran because they never beat me up. Right. So, Larry, Larry, I just watched the fight with Brown. You, you got him with about eight lefts. But then for there's about a minute of him just jawing at you. Do you remember what he said after the fight? That was kind of me. Yeah. I, I said to him, um, well, you cross-check me. Keep your stick down. You don't need to do that. I'm going to make something up. Is it you're not good enough to do that? <laughs> but, so, no, I, yeah, that's all I said was keep your stick down. But he, but he was so used to winning all the time. I think he was embarrassed a little bit. Too. He looked stunned, too. Yeah. He looked kind of stunned. Yeah. People should go watch that on YouTube. It's it's all over the place. It's a good great fight. Good fight. That's why the all-time best fights Rangers. I think. People talk about that all the time. Yeah. They're eating melting. Did you ever beat up Tom in practice? Because sometimes guys get hit. The records show that we had a fight in our, our rookie year when he was in Boston. No, Melvin. Who got the W? We don't remember the fight. I, I yeah, remember. I can't. I can't find it in all my research. I, I haven't been able to locate that one. You, I do. You do a lot of research, dude. I would suggest that it would be would have been me, but like, you never know. Some people get lucky sometimes. Right? <laughs> a lot. Wait, can we? Exactly. There's a fight card on HockeyFights.com. Yeah. yeah. November 26, 1980, second period. So you take a look at, uh, I got to know Brad May a little bit, who played in Buffalo and where Phoenix and everywhere. He had 50 fights in one year in junior. Wow. One year. I think I had 60 or 70 fights in 600 games in the NHL. Yeah, that's still so a lot. And you, and you fought the heavyweights too. Chris Nyland, all the, all the heavyweights yeah. at that time. Yeah. So how many years did you have in New York? Two and a half, I think. Two and a half. And yeah. then, then you get traded to Vancouver. Yeah. You, well, I'm you still be, just, uh, I'll, re, I'll reiterate, Tom. You want me to spell that? Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, re, you, spell that, T-H-A-T. Yeah. And you getting traded still to this day pisses me off. They never need, he, they didn't need to do that. We were one goal or two goal scorers or two forwards away from the next year because we had the third best goals against in 86. Yeah. All we needed, and then they go and trade you. I was so freaking mad. Then, so they bring in the, you know, who, Markel Dione. 
39 years old. Um, Marcel Dion. And he he comes and we, anyway. Uh, but that is the thing. Like when you get traded, I don't know how you are. Like part of the thing is your ego kicks in. You want to make sure you get traded for a good player. So it was myself and Bobby Carpenter. Uh, and when I found out it was Marcel Dion, I thought, okay, well, he was good, but he's he's 90 years old now. For yeah. Sake. That's a, yeah. That might be as bad as Phil's trade of uh, Ridley and Miller for Carpenter. I mean, that's yeah. a terrible, terrible trade. Oh, I know. Well, what's, what the hell happened to Bobby couldn't score in the ocean when he came to us? Yeah, you know, he missed, didn't he miss the whole year with a holdout? Is it a whole year he missed? I don't I'll, know. I'll tell you, it's one of the funniest scenes. So when he got traded uh, together, one of our first, tri first trips was back on the East Coast, and we uh, went into Washington where he had played. And during warm-ups, this rather large gentleman, you know, with popcorn all over his shirt and everything, he's yelling at Bobby, you suck, you know, your dog sucks, all this kinds of stuff. And we had Tiger Williams on the team. And Tiger's really big on me, that you know, the team thing. And uh, he'd gotten all the pucks, put in his jersey, got up on the glass, and he starts firing the pucks at this this guy that's yelling at Carpenter. And I love it. Pete Peters was skating in the center ice. And Pete Peters, I didn't see what was going on at first. And Peters says, oh, my God. So we look up. We, we stood there in the center ice watched Tiger do this. And uh, he was smart, too, Tiger. Did you ever play with Tiger? No. Played against him. But played I got to know him after the fact. Right. But he was a real good team guy. He waited for everybody. I watched him. He waited for everybody to get in the locker room. And he says, nobody ever does that to one of our teammates. So, like, he did that with a purpose. It wasn't just him losing his cool. He really knew what he's doing. He was good. So, who was it? You and Big Willie Hooper got traded together, right? Yes. Yeah. And for Michelle Petit. Oh, Mike Small. And that was the the day before the day. We were in Edmonton. Right. Well, we we got traded. So, we're I think we're at the downtown Marriott. Right. Um, And... Willie and I were in, and Johnny Davidson, great people, Johnny and Sam came into the, to our room and said, oh, so sorry. Like, we can't believe that this just happened. And I said, well, whatever. And to Vancouver, of all places, they had the shittiest team in the league. Worst, worst jerseys, too. Worst jerseys. No, those are great jerseys. Wow. Oh, 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 not the yellow. The, the, the flying skate's a great jersey. Oh, no. Didn't they have that, the, that was the next year. That, right. So that was, so this is 87, I guess. Right. 88, it's so. Now, didn't I just go back up one step real quick? Did you have a little meeting with um, uh, the coach there that you didn't like at the time? What was his name? Oh, Mikel Bergeron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's, yeah. So Bergeron is the, the coach of uh, Quebec Nordiques yeah. at the time. I'm in Boston. That's right. He sends out Basil McRae to fight me every game. Basil. Basil or Basil or whatever. It is Basil, but Basil. Now, yeah. Basil puts his freaking finger in my eye and rips my contact out. So I didn't have to play that game. Thanks, Basil. Um, because I couldn't see, but uh, so Bergeron back then you could coaches would yell at players all the time, yeah, right? They, they, and they so he, he'd yell at me all the time, send out Basil McRae. So lo and behold, not only does he move into the condo next to me in Mamaritic, he is becomes the coach of the Rangers, calls me into the office one day in his broken French and says, Hey, Larry, we want you to change your number 30. I said, no, my mom likes that number. I'll keep it. Thanks. I walked out. Well, I don't know. Two weeks later, I get traded for a Frenchman. So figure that out. Yeah, Larry, that's, a, uh, that's a great. Well, how did you wind up with number 30? That's a, a goalie number. How'd they give that to you? Because that's what they offered. And I didn't say, well, I really don't want to wear it. I didn't want to rock the boat like heaven. Like in Boston, they had a telephone in the, um, in the, in the stick, stick, what do you call it? Stick layer. The, what? Stick room. In the stick room, so the, so, I'm pretty damn sure. And I don't want to knock the guys after the fact, but I'm pretty damn sure anything that was said in the dressing room was going from the dressing room 
the trainers to upstairs, right? right? So I didn't want to say to who was a Jerry, um, Jerry, oh, yeah, I can't. The, the Jerry Great guy, too. Oh. Yeah, I says, I didn't want to say Jerry, Jerry, I don't like that number. And then he goes and says, Malnick's already causing shit. Right. So I he would he wouldn't do that, but you didn't. No, but you, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. You start Jerry Jerry Maloney. Can I tell you what Jerry Jerry Maloney started? It was a fantastic guy. He had a terrible stuttering problem. He's your trainer, right? Trainer, yes. But uh, guys loved him. So there's one time uh, it happened a few times to him. But he got on the phone with Steve Vickers' wife for some reason. They had to call, and uh, he started stuttering, and she thought it was some creep. Uh, <laughs> right. So we let him go for a while because it was so funny to watch. And then we finally picked up the phone and said, "Listen, this since Jerry Maloney." <laughs> Yeah, I, I, man, he's a funny guy too. He was good. We, he, we lost him a few years ago too, but yeah. So, yeah. Well, so what number did you wear in Boston then? 33. Oh, so it was, this was a new number you got with the Rangers. They gave you 30 and that was it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So they then did, when you get, it, they didn't offer me any other number that I can remember. And I didn't think quick enough to say, okay, well, I don't, I don't want that. And I remember Nyland had 30 and I really, I didn't give a shit to, and to be perfectly honest, Tommy. I was up and down so much in the American League with the Oilers and, and Boston. I didn't, but when I told you this on the Thursday, this was my last chance. If, if I didn't, and I'm surprised they didn't send me down. So I guess they sent Steve Richmond or they traded Steve Richmond. That's right. Yeah. Um, and they kept me up. And I remember that first morning skate, Teddy Sater, the European Flash, had me do some exercises or some skating drills. I didn't do any of them right. And I thought, holy shit, I'm not going to, but I'm not going to be here very long. So we played the Islanders that night and I, I don't think I slept that day. Um, and I fought Dwayne Sutter, beat the crap out of him. We had a pretty, we won the game, had a pretty good game and we just kind of rolled. I think we had 47 or 50 games where we rolled. Yeah. And yeah. it was, yeah. So saved my career. That's for sure. Yes, it was. You're a big part of that team for sure. Yes. So then you get traded to beautiful Vancouver. Yes. Bad team at that point too. It wasn't a very good team, right? So bad, but very tough, which was important. Right. So right. we had, well, we had the Philadelphia guys, uh, Richter, Stanley, Craig right. Cox, um, myself. Um, I don't know who else was there. Right. Yeah. So, and they had Bob McCann. Bob McCann was the head coach. Jack McIlhorn, he was assistant coach. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you get along with McCann? Good for a while. <laughs> I remember, like, I remember the first couple of practices and. I knew I knew Barry Peterson. He was there from because I lived with him in Boston for a bit on and off. And um, the first practice, I just said, "Holy shit!" Like I don't think I broke a sweat. Oh, like I think he threw a puck in the corner. Go get it! Like it was. I said, "What the hell?" No wonder you're the worst team in the league. He was old school. He was definitely old school. Yeah. Yeah. I I had. This is the day before a game, so I get good guys. Like the guys were good on the team, right? But the core had been losing since 82, right? This is 87, 88 now. And um, they needed to change. So Pat Quinn, um, who was outstanding and a very intelligent hockey guy, Brian Burke, intelligent hockey guy. And uh, they made a couple of trades and brought in Trevor Linden in 88 and then turned it around. Lost to Calgary, who won the cup in in 89, uh, went to seven games. That was a great series. Yeah. Yeah. So... Now, you, you and McCammon, you guys didn't exactly room together, right? You didn't exchange Christmas gifts or anything like that? No. So an, another story where, <laughs> so three three games in, you, you know, you you and I used to block shots and yeah. we'd slide left, we'd slide right, we'd pop down on our knees, we'd block shots, not the way they do now, like like the, 
freaking octopus with their legs and arms flailing like they have no idea what they're doing. No wonder they break their hands and get shots in the nuts and shit. But um, <laughs> they, so third game in, I slide like I always had. Um, what the hell's the bald headed guy, Winnipeg defenseman, won the Norris in Pittsburgh? Oh, yeah. Carlisle. Carlisle. Randy, Randy Carlisle's up at the blue line. I slide. Did he hesitates for a fraction of a second? Slap shot breaks my orbital bone right by my eye in four places. So I had to continue. I, I took a month and a half. I missed a month and a half. I come back. It's like second last game of the season. We're 60 points out of a playoff spot. We're playing Calgary, who wins the cup that year. And I think it was, we lost 6 2. I think I was minus five. So McCammon. For some reason, McElhardy comes into the dressing room, slams the door. We lost 6-2 to the first place team in the league. And he starts ripping into everybody. Sutter, you're useless. Butcher, you haven't fought in three months. And this is McCammon going around the room individually. They're all sitting except for me. I'm standing because I know what's coming and I'm freaking hot. So I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm taking off all my gear. I'm the only one standing in the dressing room. Everybody's like, you know, nervous and shit. I, he comes to me, he said, and I've, I wore a cage because I, the doctor told me I had to wear a, a plastic shield, right? Which I'd never worn. It's a little quick, Tom. No, I love it. It's a great story. I'm, I'm riveted right now. So he comes to me. I, yeah, I know. Heart pounding. Um, so he comes to me and he says, we, can't, we brought you in here to be tough, to kill penalties, to do this, to do that. You're freaking brutal. Why don't you take that mask off? He said, all of a sudden you're a fucking doctor and you're going to tell me what to do? Why don't you talk to the doctor? I said, don't fucking talk to me like that. And he, he, he starts to leave the room. I pick up my skate and I chucked it at his head. Whoa. True story. I know. I know it is. True story. It just misses him. Just misses Jack Mack. Bounces off the door and hits our goalie, Frank the Priest, our backup goalie. The bad part about that is the next morning, it's in the paper. Oh, it's in the newspaper. The Vancouver. I didn't know, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somebody leaks it, and that's you, you don't leak shit. Like no, yeah, no. Stay, what's in the locker room stays in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what was wrong with that team. There was just there were you know, but wasn't did, didn't something happen next year? Didn't they make you captain or something like that? Mac McCarty came to you and said that's why they made you captain because you did that. Yeah. So the next year, I take off the shield. I go back to my normal stuff. Um, Training camp, I think I, I got into three or four fights. Um, I remember beating up Ray Newfeld in uh, in Phoenix. In a Newfeld was lipping me, like oh, yeah. like Boschman, that backstab and Boschman. Him and Newfeld used to yip me all the time. I well, Boschman, he, he never drew a punch in ten years of his yeah. career. Yeah. It was a lip service piece of thing. <laughs> but New, Newfeld in uh, and him, we played junior against each other too. So we hit, we had a, but I think that's the only time I fought him. So we're in Phoenix. I beat him up. And so we're coming to the, you know, you got three or four days before the start of, from the end of camp to the start of the season. And McElhargy comes up to me, says, McCammon wants to see you. I said, oh shit, here we go. I'm going to get into it with him again. And he brings me into his office and he says, you had a pretty good camp. He said, thanks. Yeah. Team's looking pretty good. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. What do you want, Bob? Um, he said, we want to make you assistant captain. I said, you're kidding me. And he said, yeah. See, that's how the hockey world works. You threw a skate at his head. Yeah. <laughs> we, we really respected, you know, the fact that you stood up and you, you, you don't take any bullshit and you, you say what you think is right, which 
like like I said oh, yeah. earlier, I don't give a shit what I say now. Um, people, you did back yeah. then. You did back then, anyway. Yeah, like I call people out now, and it's probably not the right thing. Somebody's gonna probably knife me or shoot me, but that's that's the way the world is. Now. You're 63. Yeah, I'm six. I made it 63 years, Tom. Yeah. With cool. ten, not yet, not yet. Ten, but you're, yeah. ten, ten broken noses or one one nose one, broken one, ten times. Yeah. So yeah, he so he makes me assistant captain, and uh, we had a pretty good year actually. And uh, but then my body started like so. The first year, um, well, the first three games, broken overall bone, then I ripped my thumb apart, then a skate cut my arm. So I was month and a half, month and a half, month and a half in a cast, and uh, I was getting pissed. Then my back went. I said, you know what? I've had enough. I'm done. Really? Yeah. Really? But didn't, then, you try, didn't you try to come back to Tampa? Yeah, I went to Tampa, and I went back to the Islanders, too. I went back twice. Oh. And the Islanders, uh, Donnie Maloney, I got a hold of... Um, my my lawyer, who was Van Beesburg's lawyer, Friedland out of Long Island, oh, yeah. um, called the Islanders and uh, they Donnie Maloney, I think was assistant GM then. Yep. Donnie was, I, was our yeah. teammate, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we talked and he said, Why don't you come to camp? So I, I went to camp and I think one of the, the highest compliments that I got um was from Bill Torrey. He came up and he came up and talked to me and he says, Larry, if you can get back to where you were when you played for the Rangers, we'd be happy to have you. Well, so that's very nice. That was that was extremely nice. From all the bullshit I took from previous general managers, right. that was, and he didn't know me from yeah, sure. just saying hi to me in in, came, in training camp. So they offered me a contract. They sent me down. I didn't go. Oh. And then, sure enough, um, one of the defensemen, I think Richie Pilon or somebody, broke his leg. One guy broke her arm. I would have been up there playing for the Islanders, but. It is what it is. So when you went, you didn't go down the Myers, you retired at that point. Yeah, that was it. I, I'm not going back on the buses and go through that crap again. No, I'd had enough. Any, any, any what, go ahead. Well, the, the going back, you know, when you're 19, 20, let me ask you a question. How long did you think, or what, what was your time frame to play? What did you, when you oh. first started, did you have one? No, not at all. No. Yeah. No. I, you know what it is, Larry? I, that's a great question because I think it was more, I just felt like I was just always going to play. Like, I never thought about retirement, which is yeah. not a smart thing to do, right? Because at some point you do, you know, you're going to retire. But it was, but maybe that's just the way we were built too. We had to be that way. It was just more like yeah. get 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 to the rink the next day, whether we won or lose, you got to get to the rink. And okay, let me. That reminds me of another little story. Um, I'm in Boston. Um, I make the team my first year with Ray Bork, Brad McCrimmon. We're all rookies, um, uh, and get sent down at Christmas time. The next year. Not this isn't a knock, but it I took it as a knock. Right. Sinden brings in Guy Lapointe and Jimmy Sean signs them. Now these are two older players at the time. Two older players. And great players. Yeah. But so reporters come up to me and said, Larry, what do you think of this? I said, well, what the hell do you think I think of this? If I don't make this team within my first three years, so that gives me another year by twenty three. I don't make this team, I'm going home and going to school. That's what I told a reporter. Oh, really? Well, so did you, I did you really mean that? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're just no, well, just mad. Yeah, I was just I was pissed. Right. You know, it's like like bringing in when you're there, you know, it's like bringing in two come on, you know. And I know why they did it because they were two great players. Oh, sure. Right. And I was I hadn't proven myself yet. I wasn't but I played in the playoffs. I played 11 games previous playoff year. They bring in two guys. So that, I was pissed. Like, 
So that year they traded me anyway, so it didn't matter, right? Right. right. So any regrets at all in your career? Um, yeah, I have one. You, you guys asked me this. Davey Maloney asked me this on the Thursday program, and I said I didn't, but I did. So when I first started, I said, I'd like it. I'd like to make it 10 years. I think that would be a nice career. 10, that was it. So I think thinking back, and I, I was on the bus at a reunion in Edmonton with Davey Hunter, who's funny, one of the funnier men. And I said, you know what, Davey, the only thing that Slats ever said to me, he said four words to me, four words. This is it. You're going to Halifax. <laughs> you are going to Halifax. That's four words. And you know, and I said to him, and the, the whole bus is laughing because I, I kind of, did a podcast there by myself. I had a few PBRs and I just, oh, yeah. I was just, I was venting because it's 30 year reunion of the Oilers first Stanley cup. And we're all just bullshitting. And, and, and Johnny Muckers up at the front and I'm kind of giving it to him and slats. You guys traded me. Are you kidding me? Why would you trade me? <laughs> so the only regret I, I, I told Davey Hunter this, I said that I didn't fight more in Edmonton. Yeah. That's the only thing. And I didn't, I played in Edmonton, to not make mistakes and I didn't play yeah. my way, you know, or how I knew yeah. how to play. I played to not because those guys were so freaking good and they won every game. I just didn't want to be yeah. a statistic of, well, you played shitty. You're a minus two today when everyone else is a plus. Yeah, yeah sure. You, yeah, you don't want to be the reason that they lose, right? That's right. So that's yeah. why I, I should have fought. And when I went to New York, I said, screw it. Like I said, this is my last chance. I'm going to fight. I'm going to play. I'm going to hit i'm gonna spear i'm gonna chop and and that did and, and that's what yeah, yeah that, well you're a fantastic teammate i'll tell you all that what uh so what are you doing now we've done after the game so when i was in new york again going way back atlanta Sosnov was a brokerage firm and they had called tommy or uh, donnie maloney and i up it's got a hold of us somehow and says would you like in the summertime to come to the offices in downtown new york wall street or off of wall street and um just see what a brokerage firm does they said oh, sure I, I don't so i'm i get on the train i'm in marinick i get on the train with my winter um double-breasted blazer because i didn't have any summer clothes it's 95 degrees out i'm sweating my ass off on the train go down to atlanta Sosnov. they got the old computers like you know on, on the move yes um they had great lunches that's about i remember that so lunch was good and uh i said there's no freaking way i'm going to do this for a living but then I got into mutual funds and that when I was at Edmonton, I was putting away like $500 a month to a, a mutual fund guy. So I, I started to learn. So that's 84, 83, 84. I started to learn about mutual funds. I think I gave a, a woman stock broker that I was referred to $10,000 and she lost it in about four days. I said, well, hey, I could probably do that. <laughs> and uh, so then when I retired, the the mutual fund guy that I had in Edmonton said, I'll get you a job in Vancouver. Cause now I'm in Vancouver I said, okay. So I took a year off. I um, went to Germany. My buddy was in Germany, went to Germany a couple of times, um, did some traveling and then started with a mutual fund company here in Vancouver. Wow. And then with the mutual fund company, I didn't enjoy it cause I was going to people's houses at, you know, after their work or during the day or whatever. And I, I, I wasn't, it was good for me because they had a good selling program, a good schooling, right. you know, how to talk to people and, you know, how to sell. But I didn't like going to people's houses. And some of the guys that were at that firm at the time selling, well, they were, I had a life insurance and I had a mutual fund uh, license. So a few of the guys that were 
working at that firm went to become stockbrokers. And I said, shit, that's what I want to do. So, and through golf, which you don't think is a sport, Tom, and it's a waste of time, but I do walk seven miles a day when I do go golfing. I met so many people and that's kind of how I built my business is through golfing. Um, talking about hockey, obviously I've got a New York Ranger head cover, uh, for my golf clubs. I've got, you know, all that type of stuff at just signed kind of on the QT advertising. Well, what do you, so I go to, can I, can I keep going Tom or do I, am I cut off? Get a couple of minutes. Well, are you sure? Okay. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in, uh, Phoenix, which I'm going to be going to for a month here. I go a month. My brother's got a place down there. He, he's good enough to let me use it for a fee, of course. Um, so I'm in Phoenix. I'm on the first hole of a golf course, Ocotillo. And I've got my New York Ranger head cover and I got New York stuff and I've got my New York Ranger koozie with a PBR in it. Sure. And I've got a, um, another mug with New York Ranger stuff all over it. And I, this is a true story. I'm not, I know bullshit. Um, get to the first hole and the guy says, you're a Ranger fan. I said, yeah, something, something like that. Hmm. He looks at my, my beer koozie says, come on. I said, if you can figure out in the next three hours or four hours who I am, I'll tell you all about it. And they couldn't figure out who the hell I was. I gave them, I was drafted by Boston. I did this. I did, I'm too, couldn't figure out. And they were from Calgary. They were Calgary <laughs> plain fat. I said, you guys are asshole. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mel, it's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, Mel and I hadn't talked to each other in a long time. Then we started doing this, this Thursday show with Greshner and James Patrick and Dave Maloney. Everybody kind of faded away. Uh, I give I give Larry a hard time because he puts on this act that he's the grouchiest man on the planet, but he's actually a fantastic father, fantastic husband. And I'm glad, very glad you're my friend. Thanks for coming on there, brother. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Great to see you again, Thanks, Larry. The only uh, thing I can, the only thing before we leave, the only thing I'm going to ask is that one little special someone. No, no, we don't <laughs> want to talk about that. And. I do need to get to New York. Is yep. Tom Smith in New York as well? Obviously. Yes, he is. Well, he's in New Jersey, actually, but yeah. New Jersey. Well, get me there. Okay, in brother. Con. All right. All right. See yeah. you, brother. Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Larry. Tom, that was one we were waiting for for a long time. Everybody wanted that. That's your, your good buddy and pal, Larry oh, Melnick. God. Tough guy, right? He's, yeah. You know, I, I watched, I, during the interview, I watched the fight with Brown. He, Hey, Dave Brown. Oh, God, yeah. I beat it bad, too. Brown was throwing punches, too. It wasn't like Larry jumped him or something like that. He, he was a good fight. He wasn't. I, I asked people heard that, but I asked him, like, what was he saying? Because Brown looked seriously stunned. He's yeah. like, what the hell just happened there? Totally. This little guy just pummeled yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. When I get together with him, too, he's funny. Man, he starts telling stories. Yeah, he's funny, man. He's pretty dry. That was that was cool, cool to see here and be a part of you guys interacting and break each other's chops. That was awesome. That was a funny show. Everybody's got to listen to that one. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.